When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check it out now. Down now. Thursday morning, January 21st, 2021. Is that a palindrome? No, that was yesterday. Uh, it's Gil Alexander. This is the Megapod, the Beating the Book Megapod for Championship Week in the National Football League. We do not have Mike Palm on the show today. Uh, Mikey, our, uh, our staple right here alongside at the D, where we broadcast live from here, uh, the D downtown in Las Vegas. Mikey's in a, a four-hour budget meeting. Um, oh. that, that does not sound fun mm. at all. Yeah. We're going to check every line item for four Good hours. Times. Todd Wishnev is here. The other staple of the show from his mom's cork attic in Pittsburgh, PA. How you doing, Toddy? Hi. Hi. Todd has his uh, face turned to the left because he's sweating in under. Not really a sweat so far. Valencia and Osasuna uh, in La Liga. Nil, nil through 20 minutes. Make it through 21 minutes. What's the under here? Uh, Two and a half? I- no, I bet the team total. Osasuna under oh. um, under a half plus 160. But don't take anything I say about soccer seriously because I don't know a darn thing about it. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody was. I don't think anybody was. Uh, and so we have two guests today, uh, which we love because we, we go through all of the guests we had during the uh, regular season. And we only want the best for the playoffs. Uh, so we have two today uh, from Canada. And he will tell us from exactly where in Canada because I can't remember. But he already told me they are snowed in. Uh, from the Simple Handicap Podcast, which is just a phenomenal podcast, is Adam Chernoff. How you doing, Adam? Doing well. And it is southern Alberta, and snowed in is an understatement. <laughs> How much snow are we talking? It, it's it's a good amount of snow, but it's that kind that sort of like melted for a few days and then froze over. So it's oh. like a combination of like the really hard ice. But it's the type of ice where you slip. It's like jagged enough that it'll 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 leave you on the... The injured reserve list for a week or two. So you can't really leave the house too too uh, liberally. No, and if you do, you gotta kind of hunt down the sidewalks, but it's kind of hit on miss and on which ones will be clear and stuff. But it's just a giant mess right now. Wow, Southern Alberta. Just for those of us uh, ridiculous Americans who don't know Canadian geography, like how many miles away from Edmonton, Alberta, is that? 
Uh, about two and a half hours south of Edmonton, about 10 minutes outside of Calgary. So okay. a few hours north of, if you go to the northernmost point in Montana and then drive for about four hours, you'll kind of get to where I am. Wow. All right. And I know you're uh, you're watching, while Todd is watching La Liga, you're watching LPGA Golf. <laughs> and can you state the yeah. reason? And the reason is a good one, though. Yeah, because the PGA in January and February, they do these ridiculous multiple course events, and I just find them an absolute pain to price and come up with anything good for matchups because they split the early and late waves between the courses, and it just becomes a headache. So for for the better part of January and February until the PGA gets in a regular schedule, I mix in some Euro Tour and LPGA. So this morning's the LPGA in Florida. I love it. Here's a guy who doesn't uh, hesitate betting on golf. It's my uh, co-host on primetime action on MSG+. Plus. You know when we're on MSG+. Plus. It's Matt Brown. How you doing, Mateo? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I mean, this is, uh, you know, you and I have talked about it a couple different times. It really doesn't matter who comes out on top of either one of these games. It's going to be a Super Bowl that I'm going to be looking forward to. Uh, we got narratives out the uh, wazoo, no matter how it ends up. So uh, it, this is a fun weekend regardless. Never, nothing ever goes in the wazoo. You ever notice that? It's always about out the wazoo. Let's start with it. Tampa Bay, Green Bay. And when we talk about these, we'll talk about stuff that happened last week as well. Um, <coughs> pardon me. I'm emotional. Green Bay uh, is a uh, Green Bay right now as we do this, and we're doing this again on uh, Thursday morning. Uh, let me get my internet. But Green Bay is a uh, three, uh, let's call it extra juice. Three-point favorite with extra juice. There are three and a half, but let's call it minus three, minus 125-ish consensus. Total 51 and a half. Tampa Bay is here by virtue of their plus four in turnover win, driven win, over the New Orleans Saints at New Orleans last week, 30 to 20. Uh, three of those four turnovers that the Saints committed led directly to scores, touchdowns, that is, uh, by the Buccaneers, the fourth actually just ended the game, so they didn't get a chance to capitalize on that one. But that was really the story of the game, and Green Bay is here. Their 32-18 to win over the Rams, covering in the process. Uh, really, maybe just uh, to simplify it, they're the better football team, and the Rams were diminished. Aaron Donald was not his true self. That was obviously huge in that game. The Cooper Cup absence which uh, we learned of officially 90 minutes before that game. That was huge. That moved the line from six and a half to seven right before game time. So that's what we have here. Tampa Bay at Green Bay, as Chris Berman used to call it, the Bay of Pigs. Green Bay, three-point favorites with extra juice, 51 and a half. Adam, because you have the most snow, we start with you. How do you see this? <laughs> so there are a lot of parallels, I think, between both of these games because each of the championship games have a pretty clear anchor to the matchup of the two teams playing earlier in the season that I think a lot of people have as a reference point. And then there's also what we saw last in both of these games last weekend with all four of the teams. And so, like you mentioned, the Buccaneers obviously benefited from a lot of turnovers. Um, but, like, I look at that game, and I was holding a Bucks money line ticket, and when they were down 20-13 to 13 and the Saints were driving across midfield late in the third quarter... I thought I was dead because yeah. up to that point, like Brady was not moving the football. Their third down play calling was bizarre. And like, it was the saints that were really clicking. They were across midfield to the 45 and then the fumble happens. And from that point on the game entirely turned around. And so like those turnovers led to points and the Buccaneers ultimately end up getting that win. But I think somewhat sort of overshadowed in this is the last two games in the playoffs, like the Buccaneers, as you well know, against Washington, that was Heineke's first ever start 
And like there were wide receivers running wide open all game long against this Buccaneers secondary. And it's a Buccaneers secondary that in the second half of the season really regressed defensively for the first half of the season. They were top eight in both pass and rush defensive success rate down the stretch in the second half of the season, including the playoffs all the way down to 17th against the pass and 24th against the rush, which is a significant step back. And I, I can't help but feel the Packers offense as great as it has been all season is still like a little bit underpriced. Like we've seen the market move against them now for a couple consecutive weeks. And I don't know if that's like part of the hesitancy that we've sort of learned from Green Bay the last few seasons, especially last year where they were that team in the playoffs that had all the one score victories. They had everybody looking for reasons to ultimately oppose them. And now we're sort of in a spot where they may be treated the same. But to me, it's a team that's done everything as well as you can expect from a team. And Gil, you had Allen on your show to talk college basketball, like for the first time, like two, two years ago. Yeah. And I was listening to it. And something that he said that has always sort of stuck with me is, is how we evaluate teams who get up to big leads early versus teams that end up winning and have results going their way because of things that happen late. And he was making the case that the team that gets out to a lead early tends to be more valuable and the better team than teams that are winning games, but doing so in, in tight contests or coming from behind late. The Packers this season in all but one game have got out to a double-digit lead at some point. In 14 of the 17 games, they've had a double-digit lead in the first half or after the first drive in the third quarter. And so, like, it's a team that has relied on the script with LaFleur a ton since he's been the head coach, and they're extremely good at executing it. And I look at the Buccaneers with Bowles. They're super predictable in their game planning. And that's why they're bottom eight in the league for first half points allowed and first half yards per play allowed. So it's a spot where I think the Packers have seen them before. They got out to a double-digit lead despite losing by 28 in that first matchup. I think the Packers get out to an early lead. It's road game number three in a row for the Bucs on the road. And I think that the Packers ultimately hold on to that. And that reluctance of the back door I don't think is necessarily here despite how good Brady and the Bucs offense may seem because I think that they have more issues than we're sort of being led on to be. So I'm, I'm pretty happy here to take the Packers at minus three where that number came down to. And I would be happy to take them at three and a half even money if you can get that this morning. Are you also doing a first half bet based on what you were just saying, Adam? Yeah, they're like two and a half right now. So anything less than three, I think, is worthwhile. And if you're getting them in the first quarter, too, it's certainly worth a look as well. But I think how, however you want to play it, if you want to double it up between the first half and the full game or you want to play just the first half, um, either way is more than fine. But uh, I'm happy to have both in the accounts. I am 100% doing both of those things myself. By the way, I just want to thank you for, for your recollection of that Allen Boston interview and only remembering that part of it because uh, I think it went off the rails a, a couple times, if not um, if not four times uh, on that uh, particular episode. Always love having him on. But he does. He, there are nuggets like that that definitely stick in one's brain. Matt Brown. For sure. Uh, Co-host of Primetime Action on MSG+, Plus, who uh, joined us really early in this football season. Your thoughts on Tampa Bay Green Bay, sir? Yeah, I mean, uh, like Adam said, I mean, we do have the the games in week six to go and look back. And, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody here has, has gone back and, and look at those. And, you know, you look at the individual statistics of these, you know, four awesome quarterbacks. Again, four of the five top rated quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, on the whole season. And here we are at the end of the year and four of those five are, are still alive here. And, you know, it basically was all four quarterbacks 
worst statistical output essentially the entire season. Rodgers, 16 of 35, 160, no touchdowns, two interceptions. And, and one of the things that when you really dig into that was the fact that he was sacked four times in that game. He was hit 13 times in that game. They blitzed him on 21 of his dropbacks. And that was the real difference maker here. Now, what we have to try to decide is that was that just a complete and utter aberration that Rodgers was bothered so much by all of that pressure because he is actually, you know, you look at the this Bucks defense, they're going to blitz again. They blitz 40, you know, 42 over 42% of the time, right? So they they're going to come after him yet again, but you look at Rodgers and he is actually one of the very best guys against the blitz there is. I mean, uh, an, an 87 PFF grade against the blitz. That was third best in the NFL over the course of the season, fifth best passer rating against the blitz on the season as well. So I think a lot of this is going to come down to is that, was that what we saw in week six? And I tend to believe it was a little bit of an aberration that, you know, him having such a, a horrible game against the pressure, because again, his, his career and this season has proven that he can handle the pressure, that he can handle the blitz, that he's going to be able to be okay in this. And then you kind of look back at the other thing and Brady unspectacularly goes for 166 in that one, but he was not sacked. He was only hit four times in that game. And we know Brady can't run out of sight in half an hour, but the thing is, if you give him time, he's, he's still a good quarterback. One of the very best on the season and with additional weapons in this one as well, a guy named Antonio Brown is also on this team. Now um, I think it's going to be difficult for them to get shut down in this game. I think the other thing that we might see a little bit early, which will be really out of the ordinary for this Bucks team. But, you know, one of the things I do think we might see a little bit of the run game a little bit more early in this game. So it does make me wonder, you know, the Packers run a ton of dime defense. And so with that, could we see them try to take advantage of that with the two headed running back monster with Ronald Jones back healthy and Leonard Fournette being able to, uh, to, to you know, really kind of come on here towards the end of the season for this team. So do they try to take advantage of that dime coverage and run the ball a little bit more early? And, and, and that's one of the things I'll be looking at early as well to kind of see if there's some in-game opportunities with that as well. But, I mean, you know, end of the day, I see this as a very, very, very tight game. If you're going to give me... I, you know, if you're going to give me a hook on this game, um, I'm going to take it with the Bucks. I like three and a half. When it was at four... Uh, as you know, Gil, I thought I had a four in my account. I didn't swoop back in and yeah. and take it. I did have a bucks. Uh, I do have bucks up to ten uh, in a teaser with the with the bills as well. So um, I, I like that as well in this one. And you know, from just another thing, you know, I, I bet a lot of props from a prop betting standpoint here. If you do think that this is a, if you do think that this is a very efficient Packers offensive performance. In this game, the rushing total for Aaron Rodgers is, is 13 and a half or 14 and a half, depending on which book that you look at out there. He only got to 14 yards rushing three different times this season. Both of those were in games where the, uh, the it was super, super tightly contested. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is that type of guy that if he's got to go get it. He'll go get it. But uh, outside of that, he only made it to 14 yards three different times this year. So um, just, you know, by the, the body of work here, there's never designed Aaron Rodgers run plays, right? So that's always going to be some sort of scramble situation. So I, I have pretty heavy lean to the under on Rodgers uh, rushing prop as well. All right. So, and, and, and just to clarify, so you have Tampa Bay in a teaser in pocket right now. I do. Okay. A um, couple of things. One, Matt LaFleur's game plan against the Rams 
Like we should. That, that was amazing to me. That 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 he was just like we are running at these guys, and maybe you know when we talk about coach of the year candidates and and rightfully so McDermott and Stefanski. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur never gets any juice because he's got Aaron Rodgers. So it's, you know, it's our knee jerk not to give him credit. But I mean, that guy's scripts at the beginning of the games are great. The the other thing is, and I, and I want to, you know, when you bring up the notion of these two championship games and we actually have a prior this year uh, in both of these matchups, and we were going through it and, you know, uh, we have a week to talk about these two games. So in all the different media we do, we, we have to remember what we have and have not said. But, <laughs> but here on the on the podcast, we haven't said it. I think we all agree, like, those games don't mean a whole lot to these handicaps. Maybe they do. We'll get to Kansas City-Buffalo next. But when we're going back, the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game, these were both week six. Like, I, I think most people remember that because the Packers were up 10 to nothing. It was the pick six. Then subsequent to it, it was almost another pick six. They took it to the two. Next thing you knew, it was 13 to 10 and then 38 to 10. It was the weirdest game. But that Buffalo-Kansas City game, and I figured this out on air as Jason and I were going through this on a numbers game. It was that postponed game because the Bills had a had a game with the Titans pushed back to Tuesday. Remember, that was when the NFL was postponing games and the Titans had the outbreak. So because the Bills had to play on Tuesday, that previously scheduled Bills-Chiefs game from two days later on a Thursday got pushed to the early game Monday, and it was like 2 o'clock Pacific. I remember not one second of that game, which is really interesting. Uh, because you I remember the whole game, actually, and I have a whole thing about it. Do you? Oh, yes. Oh, Todd wishing everybody. Well, okay, Todd, give us Tampa Bay Green Bay first before we do all that. Um, Tampa Bay Green Bay. I think I agree with Matt. I think the first game was an aberration. The Packers were doing the Packers thing up ten nothing, like you just said. The two picks and the game just turned very radically and weird. The thing I like the most in this game actually is the team total over twenty seven and a half for the Packers, because if Taylor Heineke. Um, of uh, Washington football fame can put up 23 on your defense. And if Daniel Jones can put up uh, points on your defense, and even Drew Brees was going to be putting up points on your defense with no arm, I think um, there's no reason why Aaron Rodgers can't get the 27 and a half. So I like the team total over. And, and if you don't have access to team totals, I would probably take the game over as well because I don't see the Buccaneers stopping this Packer offense. I mean, they just made the Rams look, you know, mediocre. And I don't see how they're not going to uh, a Buccaneers defense, which I think is maybe slightly above average, if that. I mean, that was really a gift game. Let's be honest. I had the Buccaneers plus three. And as Adam was talking about, as they're going down the field up 20 to 13, I'm like, okay, that's a loser. And then they fumble, give them the touchdown, get the other touchdown. I was, and then I took when it got to 2020, I took uh, Saints the other way going for the middle because I didn't trust the Buccaneers. So, you know, I don't trust the Buccaneers. I will say this. The Packers let Jared Goff go up and down the field. The Packers have really not been such a great defensive team either this year. They just get out to these huge leads because their offense never doesn't score. So to me, I like the Packers team total over, but I also like the game over because I, I got to think that the Packers defense – you know, it's going to give up some points. So I could easily see this being like 34-21 or 35-24, something like that. Um, especially a lot of Packers games, they get up way ahead and then they start giving you backdoor touchdowns all day long. If you remember the Bears game, they were up a zillion and they gave up backdoor touchdowns. Every Lions game is like that. But I, I definitely think the over is, is worth a look. 
uh, in this game, and and team total Packers overs is the other thing. Packers do have moments, right? We're talking about that late. I don't know if it was week fifteen or sixteen. They played Carolina. They were way up at the half, and then they kind of just stopped playing football. And Carolina Colts had a great too. second half. Yeah, Colts mm-hmm. too. I remember Aaron they do Ru- it in every game. They do it in every game. Yep. If you look at their entire schedule, it's like Adam was saying. They're up huge, and then they just go to sleep and give backdoor touchdowns like crazy. Um. The- the, the other thing I think that, that's unique about this is just this this offense from the Buck does present at least a unique kind of look for any defense with three, I think, unquestioned, you could say, stud receivers. And then you also have the the kind of the dual tight end threat there in Brayton Gronk. I mean, Gronk had one of his best games of the season against this Packers team, had 78 yards. He had 78 of Brady's 166 passing yards in the first game. Now, again, was that an aberration? This is the, when you look at how the Packers have, have really fared against linebacker, I mean, have fared against tight ends over the course of the season, they've actually done very, very well. But one of the things that the Bucks did is they were lining Gronk up out wide. Like he was going up against corners in that game and, and had a touchdown against a corner in that game as well. And so giving them kind of different looks with all of that. Now you add in Antonio Brown into the fold and Jair Alexander, the stud of all studs when it comes to corners, uh, you know, over the last couple of seasons can only cover one of those guys. Right. And so that's why another thing is Packers uh, defense that has been very, very well since week 13 is they really did start to kind of turn things around eighth and you know eighth in yards per attempt against their fifth and passer rating against uh, second in pro football focus coverage grade since week 13 as well but Jair Alexander again most teams don't have two legitimate options in the pass game and certainly don't have three legitimate options in the pass game as well and so I do think that this Bucks offense presents at least a unique kind of circumstance for the, the Packers defense as well. It's an interesting point. One last thing I'd add to the total, too, sorry to jump in, would Please. be like last week, the Saints and Bucks, like there was very sharp money over 48 and a half, over 49, over 49 and a half. That got up to 53 and a half. So like it was a significant movement for any playoff game, even a regular season game at that. And it fell right in the middle. So a lot of people were very happy about that. But like we're looking at a game this week that's a point and a half above an average total for the season. And it's two points shy of where that game closed. And like, I would just simply look at these teams and say, do the saints have a better defense than the green Bay Packers? And I think the answer probably would lean towards yes. And then I would say, do the Packers have a better, do the Packers have a better offense than the saints? And I don't think anybody is going to dispute that. Yeah. And so you're, you're kind of getting, the the counterpart to that would be like, does it look different when it's played outside versus being played inside of the dome? But like, you're getting a better offense with a lesser defense in a game that's now priced a little bit shorter, coming off the back of a move that was extremely significant a week ago. Like I I, I would agree that this number's maybe just a little bit light on the total. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, 
You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Todd got a little upset just now. Osasuna put the biscuit in the basket. Ridiculous. I, I just wanted to say one other thing as I'm yes. getting upset about Osasuna. Uh, Cam Akers ran 18 carries for 90 yards, and I don't care what the stats are because you know the stats in NFL lie, but the, there was holes, gigantic holes for him against the Green Bay defense. So, again, that's another reason why if Tampa Bay is able to run, it takes the pressure off Brady. I just think the over here is is just – the best play, in my opinion. Uh, I, just one last thing about this. I, I You know, I, you, Adam was saying how something that Allen Boston said lingered. Something like Las Vegas Chris said last week lingered in my head. And I'm not sure if he said it on the podcast or afterwards, but he was saying one of his, you know, hallmarks of success in these contests in the NFL uh, this year and, and in past years is having his own, uh, is relying on other people to use the rankings of, of certain sites and to, you know, he has his own and obviously to exploit those differences. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the biggest example of that, he said this year, where a site like Football Outsiders, and we love Aaron Schatz and Aaron comes on the show all the time, but I think there's no question that most people, most people, maybe not all people, most people think that perhaps they've overrated the Buccaneers all year in terms of DVOA as a top four team uh, for most of the season. Uh, with some fluctuation, but they were up there, like well above what most people would have them. And Chris was saying, he goes, you know, I, I've kind of used that to my advantage. Um, look, all the all the reasons stated, obviously, Brady is Brady, and uh, they've got weapons, and that defense came to play last week. But I'm not sure there was anything I saw last week because of that plus four turnover ratio that bucks the Las Vegas Chris sentiment that somehow that overrating by, uh, by football outsiders was in any way... Um, in any way, uh, you know, mitigated, you know, because it was just an aberrational kind of game with those turnovers. So it's an interesting thing, and it just lingers in my head. But anyway, you put all that in the wash, 
Uh, we have some overs. We have some Tampa Bay teasers. We got some Green Bay sentiment. Go with what you will there. I'm on Green Bay first and, half in game. Yes, I'm sorry. And, and, and Gil, like, you know, the, the only thing about that, the DBOA is very high on the on the Bucks team, but it, it is corroborated by Pro Football Focus as well. Like, you know, another, another site that we, I think, respect as mm-hmm. far as what they do over there. I mean, number six overall offense, numbers two pass offense, number 11 rush offense on the defensive side, the number five overall defense, number four against the pass, number 11 against the rush. So while the, the numbers are and the rankings are high on DBOA, it is, it's also backed up by, yeah. you know, pro football focus and, and what they do as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a great oh, wait point. A second. I agree with Tampa Bay being, you know, that high on offense, but they're not, you really think they're that high on defense defense there. I mean, you look at their games, they don't look, you know, much better than a touch, better than average. I mean, Taylor Heineke was just making them look silly. I mean, it was ridiculous how wide open. That, I mean, that well, was a, that's a that's a Washington def- offense that is literally me and you could play quarterback better than some of those guys. It's unbelievable. You look at the Atlanta game. Atlanta moves up and down against them. Uh, Minnesota moved on them. Kansas City obviously move against everybody. But I mean, who did they really play? New Orleans scored a ton on them who do, who are they playing that, that they're so great on defense I, I don't see it yeah I mean the Taylor Heineke thing they play that game without Devin White I think that's a fairly big uh, downgrade for a rushing quarterback like Heineke I mean Devin White runs a you know a four five five at 255 pounds and, and creates some havoc for, <laughs> for a guy trying to run for all those for, trying to run for all those yards and things like that so um I I I take that a little bit with with a grain of salt, but yeah, I mean, look, they're they're the number one team against the run all year long. They only gave up 81 yards a game on the ground, and so you know some of these teams just have to go to the pass. And if you're throwing a ton, you're naturally are going to move the ball, you know, a little bit better and stuff like that. How efficient is it when you become a one dimensional team? That's up for debate, but um, you know, so, something to consider from from the defensive side as well there for the Bucks. To answer your question about uh, DVOA and for the Bucks specifically, though, was they were second offensively, if I'm not mistaken, sixth defensively. You know where they suck was special teams, which is the most uh, volatile thing from year to year. They were 28th, but you know where the Packers were? 27th. So it kind of just negates itself. But that's that's yeah. Worth... They gave up two big punt returns. One of them that counted uh, against the Saints. Dude, as you guys were talking about your your uh, Tampa Bay positions, I you know I had New Orleans uh, basically in in money line situations. And that Jared Cook fumble, like every time you guys said, oh, we thought we were dead. It's like, I was the opposite of that. I'm just dying. <laughs> death. Just they, it's just, Deontay Harris, they only came up with three points off both of those punt returns. The second negated by a penalty, but it was just like, oh, brutal. Okay, uh, let's move to the second game. Kansas City and Buffalo. Kansas City is favored by three. Uh, the total's a little higher here, 54. We still don't know officially, unless something happened to the first part of this podcast, we still don't know officially if Patrick Mahomes is playing. Um, Patrick Mahomes, who obviously had a uh, a banged up toe, let's go with banged up as the medical explanation of this, uh, prior to uh, Andy Reid calling a, uh, hey, you know, that guy we have, that uh, cheat code, the greatest player in the NFL with the banged up toe, let's have him uh, roll out here to the right. And he, uh, he got tackled, uh, and uh, we never saw him again. He was woozy on his way up. He didn't come back the rest of the game, and the Chiefs held on uh, for a 22-17 to victory over the Browns. So um, we don't know if it's Mahomes yet. The line where it is assumes that we will see Mahomes, um, but again, not official. And it's, uh, again, Buffalo coming off a win against Baltimore in which really they relied on a pick six 
and then a Lamar Jackson concussion two plays later, which knocked him out of the game. The pick six changed a 10 to three game, which at the worst for uh, Baltimore should have been 10 to six. Instead, Taron Johnson, 101 yards of the house. Great play by Tredavious White getting in front of Lamar Jackson on the run back. And then Tyler Huntley couldn't get the uh, Ravens quite in the end zone. J.K. Dobbins dropped the ball. So 17-3, to that's how Buffalo gets to its first AFC championship since 1994, 27 years. Kansas City gets there, not only overcoming the Mahomes injury, but Kevin Stefanski did not have his greatest day ever as coach. Made a lot of mistakes, went for one down 19 to 9 instead of going for two challenged a Tyreek Hill catch from Chad Henney that shouldn't have been challenged lost his first timeout of the three they ended up having to use a second timeout when they got too close to the play clock with five minutes plus left uh and so timeouts ended up being the story of that game and then the final sequence by the way there was a Rashard, a Rashard Higgins who could forget at the end of the first half uh with the with the with the line minus six and a half in the first half it's 16 to six uh, 16 to 3, pardon me. He's going to the house. Uh, Sorensen gets there, knocks the ball out, fumbles through the end zone. We can debate that. I think it's the strangest rule in sports, the dumbest rule. Todd has different thoughts. Uh, I love that rule. Uh, it's, it's the worst. <laughs> makes no oh, football God. logic sense. It makes no sense. Rule, there is no better rule in sports. It's the best rule. Uh, so that happened. And then, of course, the chat. So we got to debate that for a second. But then the Chad Henney sequence at the end, I don't care what anybody says. We, the fourth down play, fine. You decided to gamble, high percentage play, Chad Henney to Tyreek Hill, they got it done. Now, if it's incomplete, we're talking about a whole different thing, perhaps narrative-wise, but it's not the fourth down play I want to talk about. Second down and third down. Second down, north of the two-minute warning. They have no timeouts left. Instead of just running and knocking it down to the, sec- the two-minute warning, Chad Henney is, it drops back to pass. He gets bailed out by a sack. Third down, again, instead of just running it in and, you know, punting with like 115 left, Henny gets flushed out of the pocket, runs 13 yards on a third and 14, which allows them to go for it on fourth down. Um, it's amazing to me that some folks during the week are like, oh, yeah, but you knew he knew if he was flushed out of the pocket, he had to run on the second down play. He knew he should take a sack. I, I, people got to stop with this. If that was Anthony Lynn, we would be destroying Andy Reid. I mean, excuse me, Anthony Lynn. We would be destroying him. Anthony Lynn to me, uh, excuse me, Andy Reid, it seems to me, we forgot very quickly. We forgot that before he had Patrick Mahomes, he was a clock management nightmare. Well, the minute he didn't have Patrick Mahomes again, this happened. And so the Chiefs overcame all that. So he was both a lunatic and a hero in the end to me. Um, By the way. But they got by. What'd you say? But they got by. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm done. Yeah, just before we get into the whole analysis of this game, um, right now you do, you were saying, as you were saying, the line was minus three, assuming Mahomes. Is it really fully assuming Mahomes? Because if we said right now, probably not fully. I told you 100% Mahomes is playing. I think it would be a little higher, don't you? I agree. It'll go to three and a half. It'll go to three and a half. Okay. Yes. I would I'd say, it's, I'd say it's much more Mahomes playing than Mahomes not playing. Yeah. I think that's. Right, it's definitely sure. on that side, but is, is it? I'm, I'm just making the point; it's not all the way there. I think we agree. Yeah. Uh, anyway, before we get into Buffalo at Kansas City again, three points and fifty-four, uh, the total. It, was there anything I say that you vehemently disagree with? First of all, let's do the let's do the Rashard Higgins fumble through the end zone. Okay. Yes. This is the stupidest rule in sports, Todd, because yes, it is. there is no football logic to it. I agree with that part. Okay, so what's your what's point? What's the solution, though? 
I have a my solution. My point is this. Yes, Here's go ahead, my Doug. point. Uh-huh. I agree with you. It doesn't make sense. If you're going to be consistent, like, you know, you fumble on the 26, it goes out of bounds. You get it at the 26. You fumble on the 13, you get it at the 13. Here, if you fumble at the one, you should get it at the one. That's the consistent position. I agree with that. The reason I love the rule is the NFL is already too offensive a game. It's offense, offense, offense. It's almost impossible to stop any good team in the NFL. So I love the fact that the guys at the three-yard line have to have in the back of their mind, be the F careful when you reach for the goal line because if you fumble this ball through the end zone, we're going to lose it, which means that there's got to be a couple of them who are smart enough to go, you know what, I'm not reaching it because it's too dangerous. And in a game that is so offensive already, and I like a little defense sprinkled into my ball games, I like the fact that there's a little something there that the defense gets. Finally, something for the defense. Everything in the NFL is offense 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 oh uh, you, you sniffed on the quarterback pass it, uh, you know uh, roughing the passer 15 yards pass interference oh you touched that guy no no pass interference everything is offense 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 something for the defense god damn it yeah and then the guy who doesn't extend the ball gets hammered by us the next day because yes. he didn't put in the effort That's to right. try and score a touchdown but man, and he I gives you that. the he gives you the exact ex- explanation that you just said because you say, he's going to come out and say, I didn't want to risk fumble through the end zone. And you know what you say, Todd? You say, damn it, you idiot. You yes. reach for the end zone and whatever. Oh like, God, I needed man. that touchdown. Like, no, you're, you're gonna co- everybody's complaining about his effort at that point. Like, no. it's, it's, it, it's a 10-yard penalty is what it is. You, 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 you have to take the ball back to the 10-yard line. and, Wait, and Matt, but and, that's totally – that's ridiculous. Why 10? Why not 8? Why not 12? No, no, okay, no, okay, okay, but whatever it is – Something, you know, punitive, loss of down, and you take the ball back to the 20. Whatever the rule is, it should not be change of possession. Because if you, if you just step back from it for a second, just logically speaking, okay, when you fumble— but no, Okay, but Todd, but hold on, let me just make my point, if, if I could. So you, if you fumble the ball right out of bounds, when you were talking, matriculating the ball down the field, you state it again, you get the ball back where you are. What right. is—what is—just again, just stepping back, what is so egregious, what is so— absolutely horrific hold hold on hold on hold on but think about it it's like that the notion that then you would have the audacity to do it over the goal line right the audacity to try to score the football should result in you losing possession just think of just think about what we're talking about what is that with all that I agree with you 100%. You're but, you, but you still think. One second. I, I thought you were joking when you were taking this stance, but you're actually serious. <laughs> He's actually serious. He's, wait, wait, here's Adam, welcome logically, to the podcast. This is incredible. Wait, yes. Gil, logically, yeah. you're a thousand. In fact, logically, it should be no pe- penalty. The guy should get it at the one yard line. Because if you're going to be consistent, if you fumble out of bounds, it's no big deal. You get it. You, when you fumble at the 36, you don't get it back at the 46. You get it at the 36. There's no penalty for fumbling out of bounds. So if you fumble at the one yard line, According to your logic, and I actually agree with you logically, that if you fumble at the one-yard line, you should get it at the one-yard line. There should be no penalty for fumbling into the end zone at all. But if you, the reason I like it is, as I said, it's not a logic thing. It's a little rule 
something nice for the defense because they get nothing nice. <laughs> nothing nice, nice ever D. happens for the defense. <laughs> Everything is, we need more points because oh, we need our big crowds to watch the NFL game so we can have concerts at halftime with Lady Gaga. It's like, come on! Listen, can I, we I, have some goddamn defense? I, had, I want some You defense. know what else is very nice for the defense is they also get an extra 20 yards in addition to that change of possession that they never had to yeah, begin that's with. That's right. They get a touchback on top of it. By the that's way, exactly right. right. Adam, Adam, I would say you're right. They should get it to the one yard. That that is a little too far. You're. I agree with you on that. If you I think. Fumble, start, I think giving them the ball at the one is a start for sure. Yeah, they're going to yeah. change at least part of that. I mean, you're right. That's an extra layer to the whole thing. Um, somebody on Twitter, and I, I apologize because I don't know. I can't remember who did it. But he said to me, "We're trying to think of an equivalent in another sport, right? We like took five minutes. Like, huh? What is this? What is this like?" And, and the best he came, <laughs> the best he came up with was, imagine it's a baseball game, and someone hits a uh, a shot down the line, and it hits the foul pole, not a home, not, doesn't go, doesn't go, you know, in uh, right. fair territory, but it hits the foul pole. Sorry, buddy, you hit the foul pole. End of inning. Other team takes their at bats. <laughs> like that was the closest <laughs> we could come point. up with. Gil, there is one point logically where your thing doesn't fully make sense. Uh, and this, I, and that's, this I would like to hear. Here's the only thing that doesn't fully make sense. There's a reason guys don't stretch the ball from the 31 to the 29 because it's too risky to try to stretch the ball from the 31 to 29 when what are you getting? You're getting two extra yards. Big deal. The drive. What if, what still if you're getting a first steal. down, though? What if you're getting a first down? Okay, so it's, and guys do try to stretch. You're saying guys do try to stretch the ball. Correct. That's true. That's a good point. Okay, yeah, look, I was just trying to come up with something, a shred of something to hang on to for my poor defense. Am I am I wrong about the final sequence with Andy Reid that he was both a lunatic, a raving lunatic on second and third down? Forget fourth down. We can debate that. That's you know reasonable. On third minds. down. On third down, when I saw Chad Henney go back to pass, I was like, Are, "Is this for real?" I thought is the he same really thing. Is he really going back? The only thing I could think is he's telling him for sure to run, but that didn't look like a bootleg for sure to run kind of go back to pass. That looked like a real go back to pass. And then he just got lucky that he got flushed out. But that was like bizarro world. I was like, is he really doing this? This is crazy. Here's how I I, I thought what you said was about how we're only mentioning this because the fourth down worked out. I think that to me is the most like exhausting part about watching football, betting football, and then following on Twitter is yes. it, it always depends on the outcome to how much we're going to criticize the coach for making the call. Like if they go for it on fourth down or fourth down, it's a terrible decision unless it works. And then in which case it was a terrific decision. There's like so much, so much of a push for being aggressive and going for it. It's great. And we praise everyone when it works, but when it doesn't, they just get killed online so it's like a never-ending thing but I, the only reason we're not talking about that second down play call is because they got the first down that's and if right. it was anything different then it just piles up and we're probably looking at other things throughout the game too but well, it's that's why, it's just never ending yeah that's why i don't i don't focus on the fourth down play because people want to talk about that it's like a, that's not what i'm talking exactly. about that's yeah it's 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 what to me is the unassailable ridiculousness of second and third down. And the reason that, you know, because I heard some people throw out like, again, oh, he knew that he was supposed to take the sack. Oh, he knew he was supposed to scramble. I have Jeff Schwartz on the show uh, earlier this week. His brother Mitchell plays for the Chiefs. And so you could tell he sort of has to navigate these questions a little, or at least I'm assuming he does. And he was just giggling and laughing because, I mean, it, it's really true. Like if this was another coach, I use Anthony Lynn as the poster child. But if this was some other coach, I mean, Bill O'Brien Todd, if this was Bill O'Brien, we would be murdering him, murdering him. But I agree with you a thousand percent. Yeah. First of all, and even on the fourth down, 
even on the fourth down, I still think it's way risk. I mean, it's one thing to do it with Mahomes, but with Chad Henney, that's what is that like an 85% chance that he makes it with Chad Henney? I would say there's 15% chance. Well, what what would you make it? I don't know. Football people will tell you that was a pretty, pretty easy play to connect. 93%? I mean, I don't know. I haven't read 92.3%, Todd. I have no idea what the exact percentage is, but it's okay, pretty well, whatever you put, Whatever you put the percentages yeah. at, you have to take it down a little bit for the fact that it's Chad Henney. Okay. We just saw the guy throw an interception in the end zone on yes. the drive previous that was about the worst interception I've ever seen in any game, let alone a playoff oh, game. So you have to be wondering what is going – I mean, it's a little scary to do that at midfield. And and if they punt it deep, they have one fifteen to go with no timeouts. Very difficult to score in that situation. So, you know. Especially, Whatever, I know especially when we talk about Baker Mayfield needs play action to you know to do you know to to be effective and stuff. But yeah, and Stefanski, as I said, uh, going for one, challenging the Tyreek play. I didn't even mention the punt with 4:23 left. Right, that's the most obvious one. The punt, 4:23 left, down five points. They give it up, never see the ball again. And then there was a challenge on a, on one drive when they were down 19 to 10, where Mahomes was still in, and he hit Robinson for a first down might have been overturned. They didn't challenge. So, not not Stefanski. Like we said, we didn't want to skewer Stefanski because he had a great year, but not his best moment either. Wasn't there you also know, uh, a challenge on, on Tariq Hill catching the ball? That was what a... I said before. The 23-yarder to Tariq Hill right in front of yeah. him, they challenged. That was They got rid of their first time out that way. That was terrible. That was awful. Yes, Matt. Sorry. Uh, you know, as, as you talked about things that are going on, you know, while we're, while we're doing this. So, just uh, the report out of practice right now. The reporters we're at the open portion of the Chiefs practice. Uh, said Mahomes was out there with a helmet on practicing today. Of course, yesterday they listed him as a full participant and then downgraded it to limited. I imagine that was the NFL coming in and saying, "Hey, don't list a dude as full participant when he's in the frigging concussion protocol. <laughs> yes, like limit, please. like list him as limited. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, don't list him as a full participant." Um, but uh, he, he was out there today with helmet on for the open portion of. Chiefs practice. So that did happen. Um, another thing, the Colts are hiring Nick Sirianni. The, uh, I mean, the, uh, the Eagles are hiring Colts offensive coordinator. Nick Sirianni is their head coach. And what no. they hits home to you, Gil, uh, the Steelers are quote, planning to sign Dwayne Haskins. Oh, the Steelers. Yes. Wow. So all three of these, all, all no three of these things. <laughs> they are, they are going to sign Dwayne Haskins. Wow. My Yenzer guy just walked in here right now. What are you talking about? We don't want no Dwayne Haskins on a Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> like, well, I'd rather have that Doc Hodges guy back. Give me that Doc Hodges. I don't want <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. Can't even remember the plays. By the way, if you do, if you do anything today, speaking of coach hirings, Dan Campbell, who was hired by the Detroit Lions, Adam, uh-huh. Adam and Matt, and Todd, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but they put uh-huh. out. There's a twenty. Have you seen this, Adam? There's a twenty-nine. Oh, yeah. oh you did already. It's 19 seconds or 29 seconds. I can't remember. It's Dan Campbell's opening press conference. And he sounds like a knuckle-dragging Neanderthal. Like, we're going to bite kneecaps. We're going to be the forceful. We're going to smile at you when you knock us down. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, the Lions are, are completely toast. Like, they're just, <laughs> just toast on arrival. It sounds like I'm one sure of those guys. I'm sure that's the word you, th- you thought, Gil. What's that? I said, I'm sure that's the word you thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. Uh, toast on arrival. Yes, Adam. I'm sorry, Adam. Go ahead. Two two things fascinate me about all of this. Is one, like, sometimes, like, head coaches like Campbell, like, they just say the most ridiculous things, and, like, that is who they are. But, like, first of all, how do they get hired, and let alone signed to six years? Oh, like, six. That's what, what Jason did said. The, what did they do in the interview to 
show one side of it and not present this side and then think like, okay, I'm going to flip back. Like, or was it the same and like they got by with it? Like, well, I don't know how that happened. I think it was and then, Chris Spielman probably loves this shit, right? Oh my God. And the second <laughs> thing is like, Matt, you said they hired Sirianni in Philadelphia. Like, I don't know why teams are obsessed with turning above average to great offensive coordinators into head coaches rather than just keeping them as above average to great offensive coordinators. Like, why can't there just be great offensive coordinators who are terrific at their job, great defensive coordinators who are great, and then just have guys who are head coaches that manage everything, work on putting players in the best position to succeed, and leave the play calling and all the headache to all these other guys. Like, like we're obsessed with trying to turn Brian Dayball into a head coach when he's probably the best OC in the game this season because of where he sits and how he manages it rather than putting him on the sideline and giving him all these duties. Like, why can't guys just be great offensive coordinators for teams and call the plays and do such an important role? Like, they, like teams are just, I think, forcing it with some of these head coach hirings. I, I just, That's I don't get Norv it. Turner. That's the Norv Turner effect. Yeah, I, I, I said this. I, I don't, Adam, I don't know if there's any way. I don't know how I would do this. But if I were an owner who was trying to hire a head coach, and I said this on uh, primetime, so forgive me for repeating it, man. But it's somehow in the interview, because what do we talk about most besides handicapping? We talk about their gaffes in-game. But I would try to ascertain somehow how a coach would behave in an in-game situation, right? Like, who's the Sean McDermott? who gets that he's got to call that timeout right there to, to get the refs to, to actually replay this to see if it was a catch or not. Who's the Sean, Mc, you know, who's that guy? Who's the Bill Belichick versus who's the guy that, you know, I, I just want a guy who is a big picture guy. You can delegate all that other stuff, but I, that's what I want more than anything. I don't know how I'd figure that out in an interview, but that to me is what I value the most at this point. Because that's the differentiator with these guys. Dan Campbell's not. I'm not hiring that dude. It's like, oh okay. my god. I'd be like, you're, you're great. Thanks for the interview. You don't like my old my old football coach guy. Said, look, we're gonna run the football. We don't care what the other guys are doing. We're just know that we'll Set line up and we'll just punch them in the mouth. <laughs> Matt, this is this is the Dan Campbell interview that we just saw. All right. Uh, as far as the game, then Buffalo and uh, Kansas City. Adam, you're up. So. I think very similar to the, to the Bucks and Packers in that there was obviously that anchoring game that these two teams played much more recently. I think that previous matchup has a little more like resemblance of what we may see compared to the other game in the NFC, where I think both the Bucks and Packers are very different. Um, I think the Bills and Chiefs, very much similar teams to what we saw when they played each other um, not that long ago. But I would say that the parallels here stay the same in the sense that the Bills through two playoff games, they've allowed 13 opponent drives inside their own 30-yard line. They've allowed 27 points on those 13 drives and scored seven of their own. So they're a net minus 20 on 13 drives inside of their 30. Offensively, in the first game against the Colts, Josh Allen and the Bills look great against the Ravens. They struggled a ton, but like they're coming into this game on an absolute roll against the spread. They've covered eight, nine in a row, whatever it is, hottest team in the NFL to end the season. That's still carrying on. And they're just, they're getting these timely plays on defense, whether it's the stops inside their 30 in their red zone, the fourth down stops that they're generating, the turnovers, the pick six, whatever it is. Like, like how long does this ultimately go on for before a team makes them pay? And I look at the Chiefs who are inside of the red zone among the best in the NFL. They're obviously with Mahomes, a, a terrific offense. 
And KC comes into the game. They haven't covered a game since November 1st against my beloved New York Jets. So, like, it's a huge contrast in terms of how these two teams are being treated. I think the Bills probably for the first time in the entire season hit, like, the peak of their price point against the Colts in the wildcard game where there were seven-point favorites. That was just the second time all season that they were seven-point favorites in a game, believe it or not, despite how great they've been playing. And so I can't help but look at this game and say if either of these sort of streaks were reversed or not as existent coming into the game, if maybe they were both four and four against the spread or they didn't have these contrasting streaks coming in, like are we looking at Kansas City as a much bigger favorite? Like is this a case where the number now at three – is due in part to obviously the Mahomes injury, but like, is it suppressed a little bit because of how great Buffalo has been and how Kansas City has not been able to cover their spread in over two and a half months? Like, how does that factor into this number and how large would it be if if those things were reversed or non-existent? And do those things like really, really matter for this matchup? And the Chiefs, similar to the Packers, like they're a team that despite not covering in a lot of these games down the stretch, like they're out to a huge lead against the Buccaneers, they don't end up covering. They're out to a huge lead against the Broncos, don't end up covering. They're out to a huge lead against the Dolphins, don't end up covering. Same thing with the Saints. And then last week again against the Browns, they get up by a couple of scores, and then Cleveland ends up coming back and getting that backdoor cover. So it's it's a very similar situation, and I can't help but feel that the number could potentially be just a little bit low because of the circumstances that bring both of these teams into the game. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just 
maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. By the way, I forgot you were a Jets fan. Would you, do you want to trade for Deshaun badly? Would you make trades for Deshaun? Ask Houston whatever they want and give it to them without asking questions. 100%. I think that is the proper response. Deshaun, who was number three, uh, as Matt said earlier, uh, pro football focus uh, quarterbacks, the other four in the top five, all in championship games. Matt Hugh. Yeah, so uh, I took, I, when this thing got to three and a half, I took it on the Bills. If you're going to give me, you know, more than a field goal again on this game, uh, I'm going to take it. Listen, you go back to that week six game and you say like, okay, is there anything we can pull from that? And I think there is at least a little bit that we can pull from that one. So you look at Mahomes again, statistically one of his lower games of the year, 21 of 26. That's, that's obviously a good completion for 225. 225 yards passing. The big outlier there is you look and you see Clyde Edwards Alaire goes for 161 yards on the ground on 26 carries. Yeah. And what you see there is again what I kind of talked about last game with this Bills team. And and, and this is a, a pattern if you go over the course of the season. The Bills lull you into wanting to run the ball against them because they understand, again, Sean McDermott and these guys are smart enough to know that running the ball in early downs is not the way to win football games in 2020 in the NFL. It is less efficient, and that is kind of how they go about kind of tricking you into doing something that you really shouldn't be doing, especially if you're a team like the Chiefs. And if you look back at this Week 6 game, the Chiefs ran the ball on 58% of first and second down plays in that game. The Bills just let them do it. There were six or fewer players in the box on 64% of the plays on the Bills' side of the ball on defense because they wanted Patrick Mahomes to not utilize the Travis Kelseys and the, and the Tyree Kills and stuff like that and utilize what he does so incredibly well. Run the ball all day. Eventually, it's not going to work out. And we're going to be able to capitalize on that. Now, it didn't work out in this game. That 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 strategy. Um, they were they were able to get you know seven over seven yards a carry, and and they were incredibly efficient on the ground. And, and the Chiefs weren't able to. I mean, the Bills weren't able to hold them to get it done. But I mean, I think that strategy should play here yet again. I think they should do that again. Don't let Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill get it going against you. Play light in the box. Let them run the ball. And, and uh, you know, with a less than 100% Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this time around or Daryl Williams, whatever it might be, whoever gets the bulk of the carries for this team. And Allen's not going to have as bad a game as he did the first game. His worst game of the season by far, only 122 yards through the air. He did add 42 on the ground. But he was under pressure on 17 of his 31 dropbacks. That's not going to happen again as well. And so... I think that you kind of look at this as Josh Allen's worst game of the year against a creative defensive strategy that the Bills are going to, uh, you know, I think that they're going to use again. And, you know, is Andy Reid aware of that? Is Andy Reid going to counter that by, you know, not running the ball and not letting and not getting sucked into that? Or if they're going to hand you the four and five yards every time, is it just too good to let go. And so I expect some offensive regression from the bills in this game to get back to where they were basically the entire rest of the season, moving the ball. This chiefs defense certainly can be had definitely on the ground. And the bills are a little bit more efficient running the ball when they actually do run it. than you give it credit for Singletary actually averages nearly four and a half yards a carry on the season. It's just that they just don't run very well. They just throw all the time because they're so good 
at throwing the ball. The receiving core is back health, completely healthy. Um, the addition of an experience of Gabriel Davis, the rookie, getting going a lot better uh, in this offense as well. So if you're going to give me three and a hook, it's not available anymore. I took the three and a hook. Even at the three, I don't hate it. I think the Bills can win this game outright. I mean, we're, we're talking about the concussion for Patrick Mahomes. And yeah, I mean, it, that, that's a big deal for sure. But, I mean, he was hobbling something fierce in that game last week. I mean, like, th 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 this is like, even if we get him out there, like, we are not getting 100% Patrick Mahomes no matter what. I mean, even if it's, if, whether it's the head or it's the foot, toe, whatever and whatever in the hell it might be that's going on down there. So, um, you give me one of the very best offenses in the NFL the entire season long against, you know, a KC offense that might have a 80% Patrick Mahomes. I understand 80% Patrick Mahomes is, is better than basically every quarterback in the NFL, but... Uh, this this Bills team is is not going to let you get by with any sort of lulls. They're going to move the ball. They're going to score. So give me the three and a half. Give me the three. And like I said, I'll have a sprinkle on the Bills money line as well. You're, you're so right that we could all be focused on the wrong Patrick Mahomes injury. I will say that I've gotten this uh, cottage industry of, uh, I don't want to call them Dr. Chow disciples because they may be much more legit on, you know, who have, who have contacted like, oh, the, the toe's not a big thing. Oh, the toe could be a big thing, so who knows. Uh, but you're right. It was definitely hampering him. I love that you went back and watched the two games, uh, the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game and the Buffalo-Kansas City game that happened in week six, Matt. Uh, the other thing is, I think in the, in the end, I'm going to be on, I'm already on Green Bay, but I'm going to be on Green Bay and Kansas City. Um, I, I think for me, I'm just going to, you know, if you can beat me, if both of those other teams can beat me, tip of the cap. But the one thing that I just absolutely do not want, if I, if I see this on Twitter this weekend, I'm just going to lose my mind. I, I hate, just as a general rule, when people talk about Sharp and Square and Pros and Joes or whatever the hell they're talking about. But please, with these two championship games, I don't want to say, oh, the Sharp side is this. and It's just, come on, stop with that this weekend. Everybody. No, I like when they do that stuff. It's just so dumb. <laughs> it's so Great. ridiculous. Fantastic. This week specifically, it will be ridiculous. All right, Dodd, it's your turn. Now, I watched the first game between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs very, very clearly. Hashem got involved and screwed me because I had the uh, team total first half over Kansas City. If you remember, uh, Kelsey made a touchdown uh, in the rain in the back corner of the end zone late in the first half. And then Butker missed the extra point to screw me on my team total. So I remember this game. Uh, and Matt uh, Brown has it right. This game, the only thing I will say, this game was very, very interesting. And if you remember correctly, I remember watching this game and thinking, the Bills are saying to them, please take seven yards a carry. Please. Here you go. Take seven yards. We do not want to let you beat us with the passing game. So Andy Reid said, okay, fine. You're going to give me seven, eight yards a carry. I'll just keep running the ball. And that's exactly what happened. And while McDermott may have a good strategy, Matt, with doing that against most teams, it wasn't working that night because they were getting seven and eight yards of carry. Now, I'm sure that might work against other teams that aren't the juggernaut offense like Kansas City. I remember watching this game and thinking, there's not a, a chance in hell the Bills can win this game because they're not going to be able to stop them even one time. They're going to just keep letting them drive down the field with these eight-yard runs. If you remember, Hilaire was getting gashing them every single – I don't know what he was averaging – uh, that game, but it was something ridiculous, uh, the, the running that they were doing in this game. So what the way I want to look at this game is I think that if, especially in the first half, maybe first half, um, if you can get um, in-game running for first half, a lot of places have that now. If you see that that's what it's going to be and the Bills are going to just play everybody back and let them run the ball on them again, 
you might want to take the under here because you're going to see a lot of six and seven minute drives because Kansas City will say, fine, give us seven yards of carry. No problem. It just eats the clock, eats the clock, eats the clock. And you might want to be looking at that. Um, now, on the other hand, I'm with Gil as far as if if you I'm going to watch this. I'm obviously not going to play it uh, pregame, but I'm going to watch the first series or two and see does Mahomes look like he's OK? If he does look like he's OK, I am all over Kansas City. The Buffalo defense is fraudulent. I said it before the Indianapolis game when I took I went against Phil Rivers anonymous meetings and I go to Phil Rivers anonymous. meetings. I went against that and I bet on Phil Rivers plus the six or seven against Indy because I know the, the Buffalo defense is fraudulent. They have their numbers go up and this is why i can't stand the dvoa and the spca and all the different statistical against the spca <laughs> i'm against all the anybody with initials okay because here's the deal the Stupid. buffalo defense the first half of the year was not good look at this look at the 42 they gave up against tennessee 32 to the rams they gave up like a thousand in the second half in that game they were not good and then all of a sudden they played a couple of teams that just stink ola on offense like san francisco with mullen pittsburgh steelers uh denver broncos new england patriots that don't even have an offense miami dolphins and everyone's like oh well buffalo's defense yeah it's pretty good no it's not it's not good so kansas city will move if Mahomes is okay. Now, this all is an in-game play for me because I want to see what Mahomes look like. And I also like Matt's point, Brown point. The, the foot also is a big problem. Matt, that's a freaking great point that everyone's forgetting about. The foot is a huge problem. So let's see what happens in the first two drives, and then we're going to be able to tell right away what's going on here. Are we going to get Andy Reid handing the ball off for six, seven yards of play? Does Mahomes look okay? If there was ever a game that screamed out for in-gaming, and I think in-gaming is the way to go on 100% of the games. But if there was ever a game that screams out for in-game, it's this football game. All good points. All good. All good points. Did we miss anything, guys? Uh, teaser, Matt, you're, you're teasing both dogs here together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got right. both of them up. I have the, the Bucks at 10, and I have the, the, the Bills at 9. I, the only other thing about that Week 6 game, I mean, they did run the ball all over the Bills. Matt Milano was out in that game. Uh, and so just, again, there's – there are these guys that, that when they're out there, it does affect that. Now, that's not to say that he's like this complete, complete game changer, and that's going to mean that they can't just run the ball if they at will if they allow him to do that. But having uh, not having him out there certainly was was a factor for the Bills was team as well. Was he in against the, first, the Colts? Matt, was he in against the Colts? Uh, he was in. He, he, he was in about half of the snaps. He was trying to come back um, from injury there, and so uh, supposedly he's injured. Supposedly. He's uh he's healthy for this one, but you know again, but supposedly Aaron Donald was healthy as well. So yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're you know we're, we got to deal with all that nonsense at this time of year. I mean, let's not Lamar forget Jackson. too that that first game. Sorry, sorry, Todd. Let's not forget too oh, that that ahead. first game was it, it was played in pouring rains and thirty mile yeah. per hour winds yeah. for all four quarters. So I think that influenced play calling a ton. But it really comes down to how they want to manage their safeties against Kansas City. Like Houston in the opener played with two deep safeties and Kansas City did the exact same thing where they just, they said, oh, okay, they're going to play like this. And they just walked down the field, took short gains the entire time. Same thing happened with the Raiders in the second game. Um, happened in the Bills game as well when they chose to do it. Uh, the Buccaneers played a lot more aggressively. That's why that game looked a lot different in terms of how KC was able to move the football. So like, if you're looking in play, it doesn't appear like the weather is going to be as much of an issue this game. Certainly not as much as it was in the first meeting where that really impacted the game overall. But like 
you're going to learn right away how Buffalo is going to choose to defend Mahomes and KC. And if it is that too deep look, Kansas City's really gone to sort of the same play calling the entire season when teams have chosen to do that. But what is interesting is like in the repeat games with the Raiders, the Texans, that was essentially a repeat game because they played them in the playoffs. Um, and then we saw it a couple of other times as well within the division. They, the teams that opposed them flipped their defensive schemes game to game. They, no team within the division went the same scheme both games. So we might see a bit of a change with Buffalo in terms of how they want to handle it. Maybe we don't. We're just sort of speculating. But if we're looking at sort of the other four repeat games, including that Houston one, complete opposites in terms of how defenses oppose Kansas City because they of how they factored in the first game. So right, but that we would get be something to watch, that what, what's so, what's so, sorry, Adam, what's, what's so great about this game is we get to watch the game and then we can bet. And now they even exactly. on FanDuel, which you guys in Vegas don't have, but FanDuel, <laughs> they have in-game props. Don't we know so it? Could, I could theoretically <laughs> watch this first quarter and see, are they going to just give it to the running back every five seconds? Okay, I'm, I'm betting that rushing. I know the number's going to be inflated, but I don't care. Inflate the number on me. I'll take the over anyways, and it'll still get there because you're going to be able to tell the strategy of the as, – as Adam just so pointed out, Matt pointed out, my friend Gilly even gets this, and you know Gilly. He's not the brightest bulb in the bunch. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. I love Gilly. Um, the, the point is you're going to get to watch and see. That's why in-game is so important. Uh, weather, uh, weather, just so yeah, we can I was going to say, Gil, yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's where I was going to go with that. It's like, yeah, I mean, if, if as far as weather goes, the Kansas City's completely clear. Like, that's going to be a, a perfectly fine uh, game in that one. But, yeah, in Green Bay, it looks like it actually could snow now. It does look like this could be a, a snow game. It looks like the latest model here has, like, one to three inches of snow on Sunday. Might even be a little bit of accumulation and stuff like that. But as we know, that always looks worse than it actually is because there's not going to be any wind to go along with that. So, you know, who knows? And, and Adam, if, if you like the over, if you, y'all, both of y'all like the over in that game, we might see this total fall because people overreact to the snow on the damn field. And we might be able to get even better an even better number whenever it, whenever it rolls around. So hopefully it does snow and all they talk about is the snow on the field. And then we get even better value on taking the over in this. Yeah. Game. Wind is not my a favorite is the flag at the top of the stadium. That's like <laughs> 400 feet above field level <laughs> in the wind. And then, like, Oh, it's, it's windy here. And then you go to field level that's beneath the stands and it's nothing. I, although I will say this, man, with that, that Buffalo game against Baltimore last week, we were like, Oh, it's only eight miles per hour. And then as soon as that game started, Al Michaels was like, if this is eight mile per hour wins, I'm an astronaut. And those goalposts were like covering the entire game, and and uh, Justin, Justin Tucker, Justin couldn't, Tucker make couldn't make field goals. Yeah, uh, but Matt's right. There's you know may, maybe snow in Green Bay, fifty percent could be rain in Kansas City, but yeah, not close to snow. Forty four degrees uh, expected uh, in Kansas City for the second game. By the way, that's Fahrenheit, Adam. For those of you who are, I got it. Uh, I north, got it. North By the way, Adam. Yeah. Adam was making a good point that I think that people who know gambling understand, which is snow is not as big a factor as wind. So just in case people who are a little less experienced and understanding what he was trying to say there, he was basically saying that snow is sometimes faked into people thinking the under when really it can theoretically be an over because the defensive backs fall down and the receivers know where they're going. Whereas wind is really an under thing because it's much harder to throw the ball. I was just, that's just a little help out because Adam was making a good point. I didn't want all the the newbies not to know what he was saying. Thank you, Doc, for the clarification. I think Matt said it, by the way. Did Matt say it or Adam say it? Doesn't matter. Whatever was said. Well, they were Thank both the they were both saying it, yes. but my point was they. I think they were they were talking like I knew exactly what they were saying, right. but I'm sure some people didn't. Yeah. 
All right, uh, you're sweating out your Osasuna one to one nil. Sixty six minutes in. I lost. I lost. Oh, you lost already. I had Osasuna under a half plus one sixty. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Um, Okay, Uh, we've done all we can do. Appreciate it as always. As Matt said at the very beginning, the nice part about this is, and again, maybe I'm wrong in memory, but I don't remember too often us having four teams where no matter the matchup for the Super Bowl. Um, whether it's the Bucks versus the Chiefs or Bills, or whether it's the Packers, excuse me, yeah, the Packers versus the Chiefs or Bills, um, that all of these spreads, uh, you know, we guessed them on primetime action earlier this week, they're all like three or lower, uh, with the Bucks and the uh, Bills being as close to a pick them as, as, as there are in all these. So it's going to be a great matchup no matter the case. Uh, come two weeks from uh, today. Next week, uh, the week off, not a week off for the podcast, it's our 10th annual Vegas Lifestyle Podcast, A Man's Guide to Sin City. It's going to be strange because it was a pandemic year, so I don't know how much uh, additions we'll have, but we'll get Mikey back in here, and uh, we'll talk about that. And then, of course, two weeks from now, not only uh, take on the Super Bowl, but also Super Bowl props, the uh, Super Bowl edition of that coming. Gil, uh, can I just can I just uh, pimp out my uh, my Twitter feed real quick? Oh, yeah, please. Okay, at T Wishnev is my Twitter feed, T W I S H N E V. Um, I went back and looked all the way back through uh, November 25th of this year when college basketball started to see how I was doing in, in just the ones that I tweeted because I didn't tweet all my plays. But in my college basketball tweets, um, I am 171 and 107 Damn. in my in-game college basketball Ooh. tweets and my football tweets since that time as well. I I broke them out. I'm 65 and 51. So if you if you want a good uh, now, you also have to endure my tweets where I whine like a little baby because something bad happens to me. So there is that. that. That comes with it. There's a lot of bitching and moaning yes. and crying. But if you can handle the bitching and moaning and crying, you can get some winners sometimes. That's kind of the hurdle with you, isn't it? That part of it. Yes. There's going to be a lot of bitching and moaning. Yeah. Uh, Adam, it's the Simple uh, Handicap Podcast. Anything else we should know? You're into golf now. You're putting out golf stuff. Yeah. First year I'm, I'm doing golf. I was essentially irrelevant between February and September when there was no football. So I'm doing it out of out of love for golf and love for betting on golf. So that'll be once a week. I love it. And the simple handicap available where all podcasters distributed. Uh, Mateo, besides primetime action, did you want to plug anything? You don't need to follow me on Twitter. Fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about That's it. Very- Matt, I like your posts on Twitter. Matt is, <laughs> Matt is very uh, yeah. It, it, it's Matt Brown M two. There, there you go. Matt come, Brown M two. Give uh, me all of your hate and vitriol. I'm I'm here for he's it. He's very comfortable in his own skin. This Matt Brown, very yeah. comfortable. Yeah. I love it. Uh, all right, for Adam Chernoff, for Matt Brown, for Todd Wishnev. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, NFL Championship round. Good luck with all your bets this weekend. Thanks for listening to the Megapod. Appreciate it. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. 
In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.